0: I'm Sean Lukasik, and this is the Urban Corning Podcast. If we've learned anything from the first full month of quarantine, it's that the people in our life really matter. Growing up as part of a large family, it's weird for me to have this much silence. Walking past quiet bars and restaurants masked faces in the grocery stores, that's not what we expect by living in a community. And I'm missing all of that a lot. For the bulk of this episode, you're going to hear an interview with one of my closest friends and a name you may recognize from any number of roles she holds in our community, Randy Hewitt. She shares a really interesting perspective about why psychologists believe we're feeling so fatigued. And, spoiler alert, it has a lot to do with not seeing as many people. But first, I have a message to share. A couple weeks ago, I reached out to Wegmans to see how things are going for some of our frontline community members. Although he wasn't able to participate in a full interview, I got a long email from the general manager of our Corning Wegmans, Garrett Callahan. I want to read it because I think it's important for everyone to know how things are going at Wegmans as their essential staff deals with the realities of COVID-19. And I kept the first part in because I really appreciated Garrett's sincerity and thoughtfulness. So here's a note from Garrett Callahan, General Manager of Corning Wegmans. Dear Sean, Back in March, I started to craft an email response to your questions Each day, I would add a couple of things and save it in my drafts with the intent of sending it to you at some point. And as each day passed, things continued to get more crazy than the day before, and we were dealing with things that we have not had to in our 100-plus year history as a company. The executive orders, CDC recommendations, mandates, and societal pressures were coming at us fast and furious. We were turning on a dime to comply with all of it every day. And every day was and still is a new learning opportunity and a new challenge for us all as we try to guide the Corning team of nearly 350 employees in a direction that was oftentimes a little different than the day before. All the while, we're fielding questions from our thousands of customers that we're serving daily about something they read in the media, saw on the news, or heard on social media. All of that being said, not that there was ever a doubt. Wegmans Corning is successful because of the amazing people that work so hard, day in and day out, and somehow find a new level of awesome when faced with adversity. This marathon is far from over, and I know that we will be facing continued challenges in the weeks and months ahead, but I know that without a doubt, the team in Corning is battle-tested and ready for whatever is thrown at them. Truly an unbelievable group that does not know the word quit. And we'll stand beside their teammates and with the Wegmans family to see this through. As far as the community, another reminder of why so many, including myself, are proud to call Corning my hometown. For every customer that passes along their own version of what we should be doing, there are a hundred or maybe a thousand that appreciate everything that we're doing to stay safe, keep everyone safe, and make the best of a very uncertain time in our nation. So that's the long answer to your original question, what is life like these days for a Wegmans store manager in Corning? But the short answer is this. Life right now is a reminder that I'm right where I belong, possibly the luckiest person in Steuben County. I'm doing what I love, representing the amazing Wegmans Corning team, serving the Corning community, and most importantly, supporting the vision and values of the Wegmans family. Sincerely, Garrett Callahan, Store Manager. My next guest is someone that many of you probably recognize. She and her husband are two of my closest friends, and I'm really missing spending quality time with them. But I'm glad to be able to share this entire conversation. Randy Hewitt has so many incredible and unique perspectives on our community, on the world at large. And uh, without any further ado, let's dive right into the conversation. So I'm here with Randy Hewitt, president of the Community Foundation of Elmira Corning and the Finger Lakes, a volunteer, board member, mother, owner of card-carrying bookstore in Corning, a gift-wrapping extraordinaire, Hallmark movie enthusiast. How are things for you, Randy?
1: (laughs) Oh, that was a lineup. Um, Things are actually really good here. For me, at least as a person, staying busy helps me feel good. And we have never been busier at the Community Foundation than we are right now. So I'm not suffering from any COVID-19 related boredom. That's for sure. So I'm holding up.
0: Good. And uh, I happen to know, because um, we work on another podcast together, that you are currently under a blanket fort in your office to record silently. But besides that, what is work like these days, for you and the team at the Community Foundation?
1: Well, yeah, it has 100% more blanket forts than it did before. Um, work here is pretty fast paced because it's really important when you're a grant maker that you push the money out when programs and when organizations need it most. Um, but we are also socially distancing at our office. so. Our goal is on any given day, no more than two members of the foundation staff are in the building. That allows us to handle all the paper processes like, you know, checks arrive in the mail and checks need to be cut and signed, but also keeping everyone safe. So we're a really close-knit team. We're used to being together physically. So we've adapted, like everyone else, using Zoom, email, texting, we kind of have an epically great text chain going now as the five of us, uh, but it's, it's lonely. That's one thing. It's never quiet around here. It's usually very lively. And so with two people in that are also staying as far apart as possible in the office, it does feel most of the time as if I'm alone when I'm in the office and that this work is people work. So that's that kind of gets to you after a while.
0: Um, It's funny that you mentioned that because at the beginning of this podcast, um, I read a note from Garrett, the general manager at Wegmans, and he talked a lot about how um, it's the people that he works with that make him feel so lucky to be uh, at the Corning Wegmans and in this community, particularly. Um, What have you learned personally from some of our people Like here in the Southern Finger Lakes, the people that you do get to work with or the stories that you've seen from some of some of our people we have here?
1: I have learned, first and foremost, that relationships really are at the center of everything we do. And people are surprised by who they miss right now they're surprised by the fact that they miss those chance encounters it's really great that we set up video chats with our dear friends and our family that we can't be close to right now but that's really different than when you're just out and about and you get to bump into someone and the people that kind of feel like strangers to us when you live in a small town like we do here in the Finger Lakes all of our towns are essentially small towns Nobody's that much of a stranger. You're always sort of surrounded by familiar faces and that helps place you, place you at ease. You're in your space. You're in your community. You're with your people, even if they're not people that you interact with daily. And it's so strange to be so isolated. Um, I heard a psychologist talking about the fact that that's part of the fatigue we're feeling. Mm-hmm. We pick up on micro cues from all the people around us all the time that we, this is not something we know, you know, this, this is happening subconsciously. And it's the fact that all the people around us are okay that helps our brain reduce any signs of stress or danger. Basically, because we're essentially pack animals, we take the cues of everyone around us. And if they're not running from danger that helps remind us that we don't need to run from danger. Mm-hmm. So our brain has to do all the work of fight, flight, or freeze all by itself when it's used to being able to pick up on micro cues from other people. So that's kind of why by we're, you know, by mid-afternoon, you might be exhausted and you have no idea why. It's partially because you're aware, like your brain is aware that we're all facing a pretty significant threat. That oh. we are. We know consciously and we don't get to have all the subconscious cues that tell our brain, yes, that's there, but it's okay right now because we're not surrounded by people. So I, I think that really factors into why everyone I'm talking to, regardless of what they do. And I'm talking, you know, to every sector of the economy, everyone's fatigued and everyone misses people. Even people that that consider themselves um, introverts and people that consider themselves, you know, perfectly happy to be alone.
0: Yeah. Well, that's such good, interesting information because I feel like, you know, those times during the day when I would just step out to walk the dog or to go get a coffee at Soulful Cup um, in the past have always felt like uh, a, a bit of a reset um, and I've never really been able to put my finger on why it feels a little odd that the streets are empty or odd that, you know, I don't run into as many people. And that's such a useful um, explanation.
1: You know, it, it really helped me when I heard that explained. When you walk from your office to Soulful Cup, that several-block stretch, you're essentially activating your emotional GPS, The way GPS puts us in a very specific point on Earth using satellites, saying, okay, you're at this exact coordinate. Basically, your emotional, you know, the the center of your brain where emotion is rooted uses that walk to go, hey, guess what? Everything's okay. And now when you take that walk, your brain is doing quite literally the opposite thing to you. So, um, yeah, that's part of why we're finding solace, I think, more in nature. I'm Mm, stunned by how much I feel calmed by a bright blue sky. It's just reminding my brain that if the sky is that blue, That's just reducing potential danger or potential hazard. Storm clouds activate something very real in us because we should have a very human fear of lightning. So when we see storm clouds, you know, our brain is going, "What? that could be lightning, be careful. So when we see a bright blue sky, we know that there's no fear up in the sky. Um, So nature is also really helpful in that way. When you get out on a trail and it's deserted and you're surrounded by trees, it's supposed to be that way. Right. That's what nature is supposed to feel like. So your body calms down because the trees are doing what they're supposed to do. They're calming you down. And when you're in your normally, you know, kind of busy, hectic, friendly sidewalk that's empty, your brain is looking for those cues.
0: One of the reasons I was really looking forward to talking to you on the podcast is because um, you always do such a great job of being aware of all these different factors that you're talking about right now and it's part of the reason why I listed off all of the the qualifications um, right at the beginning uh, because you do you you do an incredible job like really trying to understand not only your work but the people that are affected by your work um, and so that's why i think this next question i'm i'm most interested in which is to know what is the greatest need in our community right now
1: okay i'm getting that question from a lot of people so i'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to your listeners about that as well i have two two distinct answers to that one is the simple answer which is clearly the human needs so that's why people are ta- turning to food pantries um, and the, if you're just looking for the simplest, straightforward answer, yes, the most pressing need, the biggest thing happening right now is making sure everyone stays well through this crisis. And that means that they stay fed, they stay, you know, in appropriate housing, um, that we're really addressing their very, their human needs. So that, that's the first answer. That's not the whole answer because there's also a huge network of services already addressing those needs. We're fortunate. We live in the Finger Lakes and our food bank is so fantastic that in 2017, it was named Food Bank of the Year nationally. We have one of the best-run food banks in the world here serving our community. So we aren't we are in any way inventing these systems. We're simply activating and expanding them. So if you want to put, you know, send a couple of dollars their way, there's nothing beats giving money to the food bank because they can turn a dollar into many, many dollars worth of food for families. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, though, we have this tremendous need for connection. Like I said earlier, we are pack animals and we turn to familiar faces to help us position emotionally in the, in time and space. So the other need that is so tremendous is for things that help make sense of this world. And nothing does that better than the arts and the arts community. And we're seeing that, right? We're seeing everyone turn to entertainment, you know, TV and and movies and acting. Um, we're seeing people turn to music. Right now, social media is flooded with this album challenge where people reminisce about their favorite albums throughout life. That's because music is helping ground them. Much like, you know, relationships help us position. Music, interestingly, helps us position too. Uh, there's a huge amount of science uh, and research around that. So I would say the other big thing is the arts community is working overtime right now to put content out for us because it helps us. It helps us feel much, much better. And there's a difference between consuming national content it's one thing to tune in and see the cast of a Broadway show performing from their homes and I recommend everyone do that. But right now for instance, Elmira Little Theater is putting out locally created content. So high school seniors are able to using the Elmira Little Theater uh social media put out content of you know monologues they've performed or scenes from shows from a distance. So I would say the other thing we need is to support the local art scene that's working overtime with quite literally no income. And the best and most efficient way to do that is to support the Arts Council. So the most efficient way to support the human service side is really through the food bank and then the other side is through the arts council and both of them have really great websites. So if people are looking to donate a few dollars or even just spread the word, they if, if a few dollars isn't something someone can kick their way, they will benefit from either a share on Instagram or Twitter or even just a, a well-timed email to the staff saying, I really appreciate what you're doing.
0: Yeah, thank you. I mean that is uh, really helpful to know, and I I think um, it helps me personally. You know, when we get we we see a lot of needs in the community, and to kind of um, share things is easy, and to talk about you know where we're we're active ourselves is is a little um, more difficult, but still easy. But when you're really talking about like where should where the dollars make the biggest effect, um, that's that's a really helpful uh, thing to think about. Um, and talking about like systems we have in place in our community, um, the community foundation responded so quickly um, to so many needs. You had mini and micro grants. Um, you're part of the the Unity Fund, um, and you have been advocating on behalf of small nonprofits that um, were kind of overlooked in the first round of PPP funding and SBA funding. Um, literally by having conversations with our local banks. How have you've been able to respond so quickly to this completely unprecedented need that we have in every corner of our community?
1: Well, I will say that as someone personally who's pretty anxious and a real news junkie, I was (laughs) training my whole life for this moment. (laughs) Uh, I was following really closely what was happening um, out of China and then Italy, because I was worried that our country was not as prepared as it needed to be for a potential pandemic. Um, just keeping an eye on the budget, for instance, out of the federal government, you could see where the cuts were. And I thought, uh-oh, you know, this, this could really mean something. So When Italy really, really started to shut down, we were watching that closely here at the foundation and thinking the world is so connected. What happens across the earth is only seconds away from us really in the scheme of history. Mm -hmm. So it was on March 11th that we made the decision to shut down our office to visitors because we were all well. And I thought, okay, let's get ahead of this. We then took just A couple of moments and said, if everyone's going to need to work from home that isn't an essential employee on the front lines, that includes massive pieces of the nonprofit infrastructure in our community. So what will they need to work from home? And that led our brains immediately to things like laptops and Zoom accounts and Wi-Fi boosters and all of that. So we set up right away by March 16th. We had set up, as you mentioned, the mini grant program for telecommuting expenses where a nonprofit could apply for up to a thousand dollars for those needed equipment pieces very, very quickly. And we got the money out to them within a week so that they could just get set up at home. At the same time, we knew two other things one we were getting to communicate with the nonprofits regularly and dependably so we set up a weekly 9:30 a.m. Zoom call with the nonprofits of the community you know no registration required just if you want to call in call in and we can all connect that was the best move we made because we were able to very quickly hear from them what was needed and they are really the experts on what the community needs the third thing we did was we got worried, particularly when we thought that schools would be likely to close. And then in fact, they did. We were worried about people just kind of getting down. Just you, you can't, you can't do anything if people have really given up hope. So we also instituted the micro grant program for creative community service and that's where someone could apply for up to $250 and you didn't need to be an organization just because you had a great idea to cheer up people in your neighborhood or, or a group you're a part of. Those three things happened so fast that by the time schools actually were closed, we already had those three pieces of infrastructure in place. Mm-hmm. That meant that with that in place, we could focus on the bigger picture. And so, Fortunately, we have great relationships with the other funders in town. So it was on March 23rd that we first met, and I have to give Drea Lynch a huge shout out here. She's the president of the Corning Foundation. She's the one that put together that first video conference call that included the Community Foundation, the Corning Foundation, the Triangle Fund, and the United Way of the Southern Tier. Mm -hmm. That happened on March 23rd, and by April 1st, not only had we raised over $350,000 for the Unity Fund. We also at the foundation had taken on the job of creating the grant making system so that on April 1st, we announced to the community, A, this fund exists. B, it has all this money in it. C, you can donate to it. And then most importantly, D, here is how you apply if you're a nonprofit that's either serving essential workers, working in mental health or providing human service needs, like things like food. So, We hit the ground running so hard, mostly because we had already put so much micro-infrastructure in place ahead of of that need. Mm -hmm. And then by April 10th, we had made the first round of grants from the Unity Fund. We did act really fast, and I think it was because the magnitude of the threat required that. The one thing we didn't have time to do was worry that we were overreacting. Mm -hmm. Essentially, overreacting would have been fine. Say we had pushed out some grants for some laptops and then it was not needed. In the scheme of humanity, that is not a big deal. So we knew that the risk of overreaction was nothing compared with the the risk of underreacting. And sometimes that's just a gut check. It's a little bit of a judgment call and you have to be ready to take flack if you get it wrong. But I'm always more prepared to take a little heat if I get it wrong in trying to do more for the community than to have to live with myself if I realize we didn't do everything we could and real people were hurt because we didn't.
0: Yeah. And the stakes there are, you know, if a nonprofit organization ended up with a new piece of tech- technology that they never had to use from home, uh, it's, it's pretty low stakes in terms of, um, you know, what would have happened if they didn't need to work from home.
1: That's exactly it. If we paid the, what, $99 Zoom subscription for an organization that ended up not needing it, that's really not the worst thing that can happen.
0: Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, the importance of the arts community and that, you know, there are lots of things to watch and listen to. Um, And I mentioned early on that you're a Hallmark movie enthusiast. Um, What are you watching and listening to these days um, when you're getting home from work?
1: So as far as listening, I am two things. One, I'm digging into my comfort music. And that's a lot of the stuff I grew up listening to. So you know, Fleetwood Mac feels especially cozy right now. Um, and things I listened to in high school, I, I was digging back into the bare naked ladies early catalog, and it just felt like a big cozy blanket wrapped around me. So I I'm doing that, but then also my husband loves every month he puts together these playlists. He's really into music, so that gives me some access to new music because otherwise I probably would only be listening to things that were recorded prior to 1995. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he's been bringing some new music into my consciousness, and I've enjoyed that too. And so that's where I never know what I'm listening to, but I really do like it. And I have wanted the most poppy bubblegummy you know, kind of stuff in my ears. I haven't Mm. anything new. I have not wanted something that's, you know, too much to think about. Um, And the same is definitely true of the media I'm consuming in general. I have reached out to comfort type television. Um, One of my very favorite go-tos is a show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Everyone's nice. Everyone's smart. Everyone's good at what they do. And it feels like a world where things are really functional and that feels good right now. Um, And then lastly, uh, my daughter, she's 15. We have been watching some of the most garbage reality television ever created, particularly for Netflix. I don't even know all the names of the shows we've been watching. Um, but like one is a bunch of people on an island that are hot and it's, it's ridiculous, but at the end of the day, it's the mindlessness I'm looking for. I, I, the one good thing we did watch one night, we've also watched a bunch of favorite things, old favorite movies, much like the old favorite music. But one of the newer things we gave a rewatch that I'm proud to say is we rewatched uh the, the most recent Little Women adaptation, which is just gorgeous. And that that was better than that was one of our better choices.
0: And I know that you can agree with me that if all of this ruins the release of the next Top Gun movie, then 2020 will really have been a bad year.
1: Oh, absolutely. That is how we'll know the virus has won. <laughs> exactly. If we have to wait until 2021 for the Top Gun sequel after waiting all of these years, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll have to, that's when I'm going to flip a table.
0: That would be the straw. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> um. The last thing that I want to ask you about is uh, the census. I know you're working hard to make sure people understand how important it is to fill out the census, um, and we'll probably see a big push this weekend. Um, Why is it so important for people to fill out the census, um, and what do they need to know?
1: So census numbers are the foundation of how we move all kinds of resources through our society. That means we figure out exactly where we need fire services, police services, schools, um, roads, highways, all of that's based in census. When you have an area that has more humans in it, you know you need more water there or more sewage there. And when you have an area with fewer humans in it, you know you have other needs in those areas. So the example of COVID-19 is so perfect. You you have to have good, accurate census data to know, for instance, how many ventilators a state needs. That's actually down to census. So if we don't have an accurate count in 2020, we will not be ready for the next big crisis that comes our way. The good news is, for the first time, the 2020 census is online. And in the past, you may remember, if anyone listening remembers, you always filled out a census form and mailed it back in. Or if you didn't do that, someone came knocking on your door, a census worker would come and ask you all of the questions. This time, you can go to the web and go to 2020census.gov and fill it out just in a matter of moments. It is so easy. I've already done it myself. Basically, what you're going to need to know is who do you live with, which hopefully that's top of mind, and then you're going to need their birth dates. So if if that's something that's hard for you to remember, jot them down ahead of time and go to the, the census um, webpage. So it's a great act of service that you can do while you're home right now that's truly helping your community in the future. It also helps us draw up congressional districts to know where is everyone living and so where are there more people and where are there fewer people. Just a huge amount comes out of the census data.
0: Yeah, I did it online um, a couple weeks ago. It took me exactly six minutes um, and I don't have anybody else living here. So uh, might've been a little bit quicker than some others, but I can't imagine it taking more than 10 minutes once you click on that link.
1: It is so easy. And just a reminder, in the Finger Lakes, our greatest undercount is kids under five. People get confused about should they count their kids? And the answer is yes. Any baby born by April 1st, 2020, that is living in your household gets counted on the census.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Um, I know that this is Uh, at least the third podcast you've been on now because uh, the Community Foundation releases the Good Works podcast every month. um, And I highly recommend that everyone go listen to that. Um, And you also recently made a cameo on Death, Sex, and Money by WNYC. Um, And so are there any others that I don't know about?
1: Nope. You've captured my entire podcast appearance uh, schedule for (laughs) the month.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Last question. What are you most looking forward to when this is all over?
1: Just like everyone else, I just want to be with my people. Honestly, I don't quite care where we go or what we do. I just want to be with my close circle of best friends and be in the same space and hear everyone laugh in person. Um, Now, if we can do that and maybe be on Market Street at one of the great restaurants that we love, Mm -hmm. all the better. Um, But no matter what, I just miss people they that's, it's those relationships that matter the most to me, truly more than anything else.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, thank you very much for the time today, Randy. Um, and thank you for just everything that you're doing for our community, um, here in the Southern Finger Lakes.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for asking me. I'm really honored to be part of this podcast.
0: And once again, thank you to everybody for listening to the Urban Corning Podcast. I'm really glad I got to share uh, the message today from Garrett Callahan over at Wegmans um, and the entire conversation that I had with Randy Hewitt. Um, And I'm really glad that that you've been downloading and responding to the show so far. Um, This is our fifth episode, and uh, we're just getting rolling. So if you have people you want to hear from, um, if you have some topic ideas uh, or anything that you'd like to share, please reach out to us by visiting the Urban Corning blog um, or any of our social media sites at Urban Corning. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, um, and we're trying to share as much as possible. So please feel free to reach out. Um, And if you get a chance, it would mean a lot if you would rate the podcast in Apple or Spotify. Um, That lets other people know that what we're doing uh, is worthwhile to the people who are listening to it. So thanks again for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, It's supposed to be a nice one, finally. And we'll talk to you next week.